Colossians chapter 3. I'm really pleased with myself this morning. Just wanted to share that with you. I really like the title of my sermon today. I try to confess to you both ways. A couple of weeks ago, I really didn't like the title of my sermon, but this this one I really like. Take out the garbage. Take out the garbage, because I think it's fitting for what we're going to look at today. Uh, why don't you stand in honor of God's Word, and I'd like to read to you uh, the first... 17 verses, and today we'll be looking at verses 5 through 8. Actually, we won't get that far because we didn't get that far in the first service. 5 through 7. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put away all, put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after Him, uh, in the knowledge of Him. I'm sorry. Verse 10, And having put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator, here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. God, direct our time through Your Holy Spirit. May we be taught by You. And may we be encouraged on what the truth is about how you see us and what you desire for us to be. God, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
So in the last chapter, uh, chapter 2, in the, the last sections, we were told to cling to Christ, that we are not to have a list of rules of do not taste and do not touch, uh, be concerned about calendar events of festivals and what we should do on what day to seek the Lord, but that we should cling to Christ and in Him and Him alone. And as you may have been progressing in this and walking with us, it may be a little frustrating because lists, you you like lists. I don't know if some of you like lists and you like to know when you're done and you like crossing things off. How many of you are crosser offers? Yeah. Wow, that was confidence. Uh, and and yet and yet, when you say take away the list and just cling to Christ, it seems sort of vague. And even last week, as we began to look at this new life and what it looks like, it says that we are to not uh, think in terms of earthly things, but think about think about life in terms of heaven where Christ is, is still seeming sort of vague. Well, today we're going to start, begin to look at what this new life looks like. And uh, we'll start in verse 5. So let's start there right now. How do we do this? Verse 5 says this, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death what is earthly in you. We are called to action, to do something. And and He calls us to do it in a particular place. And this passage, this verse, this phrase should bother you. Because where's the problem that needs to be dealt with? Where is it? It's in you. It's in you. Uh, It's not in your spouse or your fiancé. I just threw that out there. I just wanted to say that. I, I love talking to parents about their kids. And um, if they share with me, most of the time when they share, you know, my kid's doing this or that. And, and why? Well, it's the friends they're hanging around with. It's, uh, you know, the, the school, the teachers. Teachers are bad, by the way, but uh, it's the teachers. If the teachers were different, uh, then my kid would act differently. Or, you you know, you're talking about marriage problems, and you say, so what's the problem? It's real simple. My husband is the problem. If he would not do the things he's doing and do the things he's not doing, everything would be better. And yet, as we look at this passage, he calls us, he calls us, if we are to live differently, if we are to have, uh, really enjoy this life that he has given us, he says, deal with that which is in you, which is in you. I, as I think about this passage, and hopefully this will be helpful to you, is that it's a new life we're living it's not just, uh, I shared this in the last couple of weeks, it's not just a little tweaking of the old life. This is a new life. In fact, referring to the old life, he said we were dead in our sins. It was a dead sort of 
living. It was an existence, but spiritually we were dead. And now he's sharing with us how to live the new life. And yet he points to something that's still inside of us that needs to be dealt with. And he says, put to death that which is earthly or, or part of the problem, if you will, that's in you, that's in you. He goes on a list, and I want to say it that way, a list of five things, and he'll go on to another list of five things. Uh, we'll stop just short of that this morning. But listen to what he lists needs to be dealt with. Sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. And he says that word, the idea there is sexual sin, that which probably the most specific. And he says, that needs to be dealt with in you. I really believe these five terms are all dealing with sexual sin to one degree or another. And I'll uh, hopefully suggest to you why that is. He says, it, it must be dealt with in you. It, there's a sense where it can't go on. It can't just continue. Undoubtedly, as with us, there are people that are up to their eyeballs in sexual sin, and they come to know Christ, and so now they've been given a new life, and he says to them, you cannot remain in sexual sin. This is not something that can continue. He says it must be dealt with, and the way to deal with it is to put it to death. The second word he uses is impurity. And it, this talks more so about uh, our thoughts and our actions as well, but the idea of any kind of filth. And, and I want to ask you the question, how much impurity is okay? How much? We always talk about that, don't we? We, we? we don't talk about it in those terms maybe, but we say, oh, it's not that bad. It's just a little bit. It's just a little bit. And yet as Paul writes... He, he says for us to deal with this, to deal with sexual sin, as well as impurity, how? To put it to death, to get rid of it. It must be rooted out. It, it must be removed. It is not a part of this new life that we are called to live. Impurity. Then he uses the word passion. Word passion. Or... Um, in some versions, it may say lust, lust. I think in our, our culture today, most of the time when people say the word passion, it seems like a good thing. It's the idea of, of having a zeal and, and really going after something. But in this passage, it's not that. It's the idea of a, a, a lack of restraint. It's a, the idea of just letting go in the passions that you have inside, no matter if they're right or wrong, to just let go. And he says, hey, that's part of the old life. Put it to death in you. Put it to death. The next word he talks about is evil desires. Evil desires. Once again, on the inside, those things that we desire to do. And desires in and of themselves are not bad. But obviously in this list, it is bad desires. It's that which we desire to do, we see and we want. And he says, what? Put it to death. 
put it to death, to kill it. Put it to death. And it's in you. And this is the bothersome thing, that all these things are in us. They're not outside pressures. What's wrong with our culture today? Oh, the internet, the television, uh, cell phones, and uh, the boogeyman, and whatever else. And it's all these exterior things that we are blaming for what's going on inside of us. And he said, you know, Put it to death. Put it to death. The last one in this list of five is kind of hard to fit in. It says covetousness in the ESV and other translations uh, translate it greed. And you say, well, how does that fit in? I really believe it is uh, all about different kinds of sexual sin. And that this is the idea of just wanting more, wanting more. And that's true about sexual sin, isn't it? That there's not a sense of, uh, you know, you, you experience something, you commit a sin, and you're like, oh, I'm fine now. Don't need to do that again. There's a sense of desiring more. And he says, you've got to, you've got to get rid of this that's in you. You've got to kill it. Why? Why? Well, first of all, let's talk about why um, why he lists these things out and that why probably these are all sexual sins. Why doesn't he talk about something else? Well, uh, what does he call these? If you look down in the passage, he's, he, he lists these out. And why are these? What's the big deal about these? What does he identify it as? It's our nature, but... What what comes out of this? It's idolatry, right? I think sometimes uh, we look at the sins we're committing and the things we're doing, and we say, "Well, it's not that big of a deal." And and as I'm reading through this, I'm going, "Oh yeah, yeah." Everyone kind of struggles. This is all part of idolatry, <laughs> idolatry. And you're like, "Whoa, that's serious." It is serious, and that's the point. The the interesting point is, why does he take on, he, he talks about sexual sin. Why does he talk about that? Well, because I think that one of the greatest areas of idolatry is are these sins that we sin sexually. That we talk about these things, we think about them, and we, we sin in so many different ways. He could have talked about money, right? Would have been still appropriate, right? It, it still would have made sense to us. It's another form of idolatry. He could have talked about the pride of self, how some of us, we build up our world and we're constantly seeking to boost our pride in who we are. And maybe that's the idol that we, that we worship at. He could have talked about any number of things. Um, maybe you could even... Uh, Add some to my list. I have money, pride, recreation, career accomplishment, the bottle, the pipe, a person, your family. Anything can be an idol. So if you get the picture here, uh, Paul has been presenting Christ as truly worthy in the, the fullness of all of God. He's been sharing that there are other gospels and false teachers out there 
clamoring to pull you away into list sort of thinking or something other than Jesus. And now he says, root this out. Kill it in your own life. Why? Because it's idolatry. So get this picture in your mind. We have Jesus standing before us. And we have sexual sin. We have money. We have recreation. We have career. We have pride. We have whatever is over here. And it's all piled up. And we say, Jesus, I love you. I know you're everything. Hold that thought. I'm going to go worship. And we bow down. And we say, I, I'll be right back. Bowing down. And you say, I'm just doing this for a time. I'll be back. I'll be back. We bow down and we say, I give you everything. I, I'll be right back. It's idolatry. It's idolatry. And, and we may think about this and we say, well, why is it such a big deal that he says, put to death all these things? Why is it so critical that it happens now? Because it's idolatry. Because Jesus doesn't want to be worshipped as one of many gods. He wants our exclusive attention. Jesus is monotheistic. I want to tell you that. He believes there's only one God, and it's Him. He won't share your affection with anyone. And so he calls us to put to death, put to death those other idols in our lives. He calls us to put them to death. As if the issue of idolatry was not enough for us to understand the importance, he says something else in verse 6. He says, you know, it's idolatry. And then he says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is coming. He says, because of sins like this, which are are idolatry, and there could be others, but because of sin, which is idolatry, the wrath of God is coming. The anger of God will be poured out on this world and people who choose to give their life to worship some other thing, will be pour, his anger will be poured out. And it's, it lends a gravity to that. He says, why is idolatry so bad? Because God's wrath is coming. He's angry about others worshiping anyone but him. He's angry about it. And you say, well... That's not a very loving message. This passage isn't talking about the love of God. It's talking about the wrath of God. It's not that he's unloving, but this passage is making a point that God is not pleased with immorality or any other sin for that matter. He considers it idolatry and for him, idolatry will bring his wrath. One problem when we talk about the wrath of God Um, has anyone ever sinned? Did the wrath of God get poured out on you when you sinned? There's a sense in which uh, it's as if Adam and Eve in the garden, it was similar. They're like, um, you know, don't touch the fruit, okay? 
Maybe, maybe, maybe I should touch it. <laughs> I was thinking about it. Surely dies. Satan's in there going, go ahead, touch it. You're not going to really die. Surely you won't die. And they touch it, and they're like, hey, nothing happened. Hey, I'll just take a bite. There's a sense in which in our own minds right now, we do that with sin. We know what's right and wrong. We've heard in God's word. We see the out of bounds line and we go, okay, I'm just going to come up to the edge of it. I'm going to come up to you. See, nothing happens. Right at the edge here. A crossover. Nothing happened. We look to the right and we look to the left and we see somebody else cross over and we go, they didn't get struck dead. Maybe God's not really as mad as I thought he was about those things. Maybe he doesn't consider them that big of a deal. See, see, I know people that sinned doing this over and over again, and they seem to be doing just fine. In fact, as I have done that, I didn't get struck dead. Do it again. See? It's no big deal. And, and there's a sense of being lulled to sleep, thinking that just because God hasn't struck you dead in your sins, that He doesn't care. And yet, Paul, as he's communicating the goodness of this new life, he says to them, take these sins, take these sins that you've struggled with. Take these sins that used to be living, which were really just dying. Take these sins and put them to death in your life because the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is coming. And just because it is not here does not mean that God does not care about these things. He does. He does. So He calls us to put them to death. One further point as this comes together. As we we look at this passage, he says it's idolatry. He says the wrath of God is coming. But he also says something else in verse 7. He says, in these, meaning these sins, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. When you were living in them. This is the life, right? You know about this. You get this picture. Uh, he says, you used to walk. When you see Paul use that word walk, most every time he's talking about life. You were living in it. You were living in it. It was the what you did about your life. It was the way you went about your business. And he says, you used to walk in these things. This used to be the... The normal way you did business was walking in these sins. And that was life for you. That was life for you. But as we look at the context, he's already said, what was life? It was you being dead in your sins. So you were dead. You were living in a life that was dead. And so he says, his point being, why would you go back? Why would you go back? Imagine yourself uh, being someone who uh, you you're at home and uh, you had some cleaner of some sort that uh, for some reason you you drank 
Uh, it was an accident. It wasn't something that um, you purposed to do. And then you began to get sick. You realized it was important for you to go to the doctor. You go to the doctor and the, you, you're super sick. And, and the doctor says, you know, you're you're probably going to die from this, but we're going to work. And the nurses come in and they, they give you different things. They they give you medicines and, and treatments and even do a surgery. And they're, they're working to get you back to health. And by all their hard work, they bring you to health again. And you walk away from the hospital and you go, man, that was a close one. That was amazing. I almost died. You go back to that same bottle of cleaner and you take some more swigs. Stupidity, right? And the picture here is this, to not go back. You used to, you you almost died from those sins. That was where you used to live. Now, that, 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 that was living for you, but now you live in Christ. Now it's Him, the, the one that you are living in and for. So let's talk about the list because it's important for you to see the list. Now, we've got a problem here. Those of you who are sharper have already figured out the problem. A couple weeks ago, we talked about no more lists, right? And then I just got a list, right? And there's another list, another five-point list coming up in the next verse. Kevin, that doesn't sound right. You said no more lists. Uh, God says, just cling to Christ. And then he gives me a list. What's the difference about that? How, How do we live? What is the difference? It's real simple. This list, this list that that I have right here for you, this doesn't, this isn't in the core of who you are. This doesn't make you right with Him. He doesn't say, root these five things out of your life and then you will be alive with Him. It's not a list of life. It's not something you have to do. This is a list of, of how to live life in the fullest in Jesus. What was, what was the point? He says, don't, don't bother with the list. They're a shadow. Cling to Christ, right? Cling to Christ. The, last, the, the first few verses of chapter 3, it says, uh, you look at verse 2, it says, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. The question is, how do we do that? And and what he's saying is, let go of the trash of your life. Let go of it. And he's really not saying let go, right? What is he saying? Put it to death. Get rid of it. Deal with it. Because there cannot be us clinging and setting our our minds on the things that are above when we're clinging and, and living in the things that brought us death. It's the way we live. How do we live in the fullness of what He has given? How do we experience a relationship with Christ? We can't do it while simultaneously having sin be the core of our life. Having a problem inside. Can't do it. Have you ever wanted to put something to death? 
How about weeds? You know, uh, I, I think about sun's out right now, and I, I love seeing the sun. It's good to see the sun. It's just beautiful out here, and, you know, in the next few weeks, if we get more sun, there's going to be more weeds. And some of you are, are, are humane about, you know, some of you even, you know, maybe you've just played mind games with yourself, and you go, oh, the weeds have beautiful flowers. I'm just going to let them grow. I'm just going to let them be. It's, they're nice. It seems so mean to go out there and kill them. Others of you, you get your garden gloves on and you go one by one, you little pick them out there and you're, you're going, oh, you know, it's so sad for these weeds. They never had a chance. And others of you, you take the roundup. If they let you have a torch, you'd use that, right? There's no sense of kindness in your heart at all towards weeds. Why is that? Because you hate them. You hate them. They stand in, in, in as a roadblock to you having a nice garden. You want other things to grow, and they're they're sucking the nutrients and the space away, and they're confusing the beauty of that. And so you go wipe them out. I don't even care. That's killing at its finest. And that's the attitude that we need to bring to the sins of our own heart. For the idolatry that sits in there, that's within us, not without us. It's not some pressure on the outside. Somebody else isn't the problem. The, where we get hung up is some of us treat this death that is to come. Forgive me for saying it this way, especially if you're a grandmother. We treat uh, this putting to death like grandma treats the tissue paper at Christmas time. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you don't know right now. If you're male and you've ever been a boy on Christmas Day, you know what I'm talking about. You get a gift. It looks beautiful. There's wrapping paper. It may have a box and tissue paper. It may be a bag with it sticking out just properly. And... Your purpose, you don't care about the tissue paper, right? But your grandmother says, oh, be careful. We can save that. And, and, and she says, here, I'll, I'll take the tissue paper. And she folds it up real nicely. And she puts it away. And she says, we'll use that another day. Some of us treat our sin like that. We say, oh, you know, uh, I know I need to get rid of it. I know it's not what I'm about right now. We're just going to kind of fold it up and put it aside, but we can get it out some other day. No. That's not what our sin is all about. It's for us to kill it, destroy it, put it to death. Others of us uh, treat our sin like cleaning the garage or folding the laundry or organizing your sock drawer. It's something that probably should be done, but I'll get to it next week. And there's a sense of like, yeah, I I know, I know, I'm going to get to it. It's on my list of things to do to get rid of sin. But I I, I never quite get there. I never quite get there. It's very important to me. It's very important to me. And I know it's important, 
but I just haven't gotten to taking care of that yet. Hey, you know what? Our sin is too critical. It's critical right now. It's idolatry. It's, it's something that based upon God, how He looks at our sin, He looks at it as idolatry. And because of that, His anger burns and will one day be poured out because of those sins. And also, it's the reason that He needed to save us. It's what He saved us from, so don't go back. Others of us, uh, we look at... Um, we look at uh, dealing with this sin issue of putting it to death as going to the gym. We realize it's killing us. We realize that there's something for our health. But we just say, hey, I'm too busy with other things right now. I have no time to deal with what's going on inside. As I look at this passage and uh, I connect these things together, I realize that there's no sense of waiting on this for us. There's, there can be no sense of living another day with our sin. This morning, uh, I realized that some of this is very negative and um, doesn't really fit in with the power of positive thinking or anything like that. The, um, the beauty of sin, uh, of discussion about sin, is the cross. It's the very same Jesus who, who, who walked the face of this earth as a sinless man and, and gave himself for people just like me and you, died on the cross to pay for our sins. And so now as we look at this sin and living with him, I want to tell you, it's no good for you to keep these sins in your heart. There's no, there, there's no benefit to you. It's not going to taste any better the second time, if I can say it that way. You say, oh, maybe it's gotten better. Maybe sin will taste better than that. It won't. leaves a foul taste in your mouth that promises much and delivers little or nothing. We celebrate today uh, what Jesus did in delivering us from these sins. And he calls us to put to death what remains in us. The sins that uh, these sins of idolatry. Let me pray, and then we'll celebrate uh, the Lord's death and resurrection together. God, thank you. Thank you for the message of the gospel. It's true and it's worthy of our lives. It has power to save us, and not just to save us, but to make us holy. God, I ask that through your Holy Spirit that you would give the people of Bear Valley Church supernatural strength that we might deal with the sins of our own heart. God, help us to see them as wicked. Help us to uh, gain a, a holy rage and hatred for the sins that you have saved us from. And God, I pray that you would Give us wisdom to um, put them to death as you have called us to do. God, guide us now as we celebrate communion. In Jesus' name, amen.